Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And we're coming at you once again, uh, basically at the at, at one sense, right? We're basically mm-hmm. coming at your hearing, into your ear holes. Uh, we can't really engage a number of other uh, senses. We can't touch you. We can't touch we you. We shouldn't touch you, probably. Right, and you should not touch us. That's what the sign says. And, uh, and and you also generally cannot see us. Unless, I guess, if you, if you pull up a picture of us, you can sort of get a little... You can engage your, your sense of sight a little bit with the podcast, or if we have visual aids, such as with mm-hmm. the uh, the art podcast that we did, and we had a blog post that went along with it, so you could look up the different artists as we went along. But still, you're not you're not watching us podcast, uh, and you and you also cannot smell us. You cannot smell the podcast chamber, and that's probably a good thing generally. Well, n- and I'm not saying anything about your funk or my funk. No. I'm just saying that you're saying that some of the other podcasters kind of smell. No, <laughs> I am not saying that. <clears throat> sometimes there is half-eaten food in here. That's um, usually my half-eaten banana. I mean, I have to take credit for these things. But no, yeah, we're we're talking about the fact that there are limits um, to technology, we think, so right, far. in terms of expressing all five senses. I used to think there were no limits, but, but now I fear that there are no limits in the future. Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this. I mean, in the past, people have tried to... Um, to, to layer these senses in different media, like smell-o-vision, for instance. Right. And, and we, we had a whole podcast where we talked about the power of smell and the importance of smell. And, yeah. and smell is, is one of the more, one of our more primal instincts and one of our more powerful. And, and as we've mentioned before, it's the one scent out of the five that interacts directly with the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's a powerful scent to be omitted from any of your media. But generally the technology hasn't been here. But we have actually tried in the past, uh, most notably, uh, is of course smell-o-vision in, uh, in 1960. But before that, the first, uh, recorded use of smell in the theater was 1916 at the Family Theater in Forest City, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was during uh, a Rose Bowl game. And so they, um, they had the scent of rose oil piped in, which, you know, eh, And it was really low tech, like, right? They had a cotton ball that was saturated with rose oil. Yeah. Uh, and then they had a fan that was blowing it into the audience. Yeah. And that's pretty, pretty low tech. And then some of the, the technologies today are about mm-hmm. that level. But smell-o-vision, of course, is the one that everybody remembers. Um, this came around 1960, and it was the invention of this guy, Mike Todd Jr., who was the son of uh, a really accomplished producer by the name of Michael Todd, who produced uh, Around the World in 80 Days, mm-hmm. You know, made, made, a, made some nice uh, bank off of that, but then died. And so his son invests his inheritance in this concept of smell-o-vision, thinking this is going to be the next big thing. And again, on paper, it kind of sounds cool. It's like, you know, this is an age where it's like, all right, we got uh, talking in our movies now. We're talkies. Mm-hmm. We're 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 looking at it. You know, what else can we do? You know, can we make we can? Have, there's the whole thing with the tingler of about making the seats vibrate. Oh, the tingler is great. Yeah. yeah. And as we see today, you know, everybody keeps like up in the ante, 3D, um, etc. So you can imagine the guys thinking, all right, smell's pretty important. If mm-hmm. I can somehow incorporate smell into the motion picture experience, that's going to put even more. Butts and seats, right? Right. So they unleash smell-o-vision on an unsuspecting public, uh, and it's kind <laughs> of a disaster. Um, they, they only use it for one film under the smell-o-vision moniker, and that was a, a film by the name of Scent of, Mis- of a Mystery, uh, which interestingly enough starred Denholm Elliott. Uh, you know, of course, from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh-huh. the, the, the British guy. Okay. Right? And uh, Peter Lorre. Ah, uh, oh, okay, yeah. With the voice. Yeah, uh, can you yeah. do a Peter Lorre? 
Rick, help me, please, Rick. Yes, that, that one. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. Yeah. I nailed it. Yeah, you did, nailed it. Um, and uh, and so th- then they had like all sorts of cool catchphrases for it, like, first they moved, 1895, then they talked, 1927, now they smell, 1960. Like, finally, we we have we have the trifecta of senses engaged yeah. with our motion pictures, and a new age of cinema is about to to begin. Uh, but of course, it didn't because it didn't really work all that well. Um, yeah. There was there was some sl- slight delay with the smells. Like the smell was supposed to hit. Say it was the smell of uh, a fresh casserole. There was not a casserole in the movie, but just to give you an example. Imagine if on the screen they present a fresh casserole, and mm-hmm. then like several seconds later, the the scent of fresh casserole hits you. People during the sex scene, right? And you're like, <laughs> uh, whoa, what chicken casserole? And then you know. I don't know. Sophia Loren is doing something that's just weird. Yeah, it, 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 that level of, of thing was happening, and uh, you know, so the, you'd have the smells out of sync. Um, other some parts of the theaters got the smell like really loud, like right in the face. Other areas couldn't get it, mm-hmm. so it, it just wasn't all that well um, implemented. Really. Yeah, I mean, these we're talking about cartridges on a belt, right? And they're being pierced by needles during certain scenes, mm-hmm. and uh, we're also talking about this hissing sound. That it would make sometimes too. This is what I've read. That would be really <laughs> distracting. So people are like, "What is going on? I'm just trying to watch this movie, and I'm being inundated here." Yeah, so it's like you'd be watching a film, and a guy would be like, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" And it's like, "No, I don't really want any coffee because uh, I really need to finish this sandwich first. And then you know, yeah, it's a, yeah. every little thing. Yeah. But I will tell you that if Casablanca had had smell-o-vision, and you know, of course, with Peter Lorre, I would be. Happy to to experience that with smell vision. Why? What do you think Peter Laurie smelled like? Does he? Well, not. I mean, they're not <laughs> Peter Laurie specifically, but you've got the spice market going on. Um, you know, it's hot, oh, humid. True, true. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah I could see where it could have been an interesting bouquet. Um, now, I would feel that Bogart would have probably smelled kind of weird. Whereas cognac Lo- and like cigars. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be a good smell. But also, I think Laurie might have actually smelled good. Oh, well, of because course. he seems like the kind of guy who, you know, he would realize he would need to have the smells all in all. Oh, order, impeccably you know? dressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, in homage to Smell-O-Vision, American film director John Waters released yes. an enhanced odorama version of his film Polyester in 1982. Yeah. Now, this was more akin to the uh, scent test that uh, we went through in the last uh, in the last podcast. Oh, right, you know, the one we- where you made me smell David Beckham's. Foot. Right, off of a card. Unbeknownst yeah, to me. Numbered cards, because yeah. that's the same way it worked with uh, John Waters' piece, Polyester. Foot molecules, I should say. Yeah. he Basically, each audience member had 10 cards, numbered 1 through 10, and they had smells such as flowers, pizza, glue, gas, grass, and, of course, feces. Oh, right, you know, right. Because well, if you're going to if you're gonna implement smell-o-vision, you need to go for the full... Um, the, the the full bouquet of, See, of human odor. Now, right? for anybody who who is a John Waters fan, maybe you'll agree with me that pink flamingos should have been oh. the one <laughs> where he had smell vision, where the main character actually eats feces. Because then, I mean, seriously, I mean, if you're trying to trump up the dramatic moment, yeah, and watch someone eat feces and then smell it, that's that's going to do it right there. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Waters was uh, Waters is is he still around? Uh, he's such a um, like a classy sleaze bag. I, I, I love that about it's him. It's the stash. You know, you know, few people can pull that off to be mm-hmm. both classy and sleazy and, and, and make both work. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I, I think he would probably agree with that. Uh, then there was also in 1965, the BBC, of course, did that hoax with the smell-o-vision 
where they uh, they told uh, uh, the, the the viewers an April Fool's Day joke, okay. and they told them that they could um, they could smell um, through the TV uh, sliced onions, brewing coffee, and uh, invited viewers at home to confirm the sense. Uh, uh, by, uh, that were emanating from their television mm-hmm. set by uh, by writing in about it, and people did. They just you know testimony to the power of suggestion. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, I could totally smell the onions and the, the coffee," and it was it was all a gag. Placebo smells. Right. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So, uh, for the most part, though, this is you know it, it's just received a few token uh, nods to the possibility mm-hmm. of smell uh, in our cinema. The the most recent one. Uh, uh, being uh, the more recent Spy Kids movie, uh, All the Time in the World, that one had scratch and sniff cards. Uh, so it's like, a, you know, a, again, we're in that age where people are like, what can we do to up the ante? Right. 3D. Uh, all right, well, let's try smell, see if that works. Right. Now, one area of entertainment where it seems like you, you we've seen a lot more um, smell engagement has been the haunted house, the uh, professional yeah. haunted yeah. house. Uh, and I'm not talking about like the one put on by uh, like a, the local church in the small Hometown. Or some club, yeah. Or yeah. some club, you know, or just because. Or haunted, my neighbors. Right, or your neighbors. Mm-hmm. I mean, haunted houses, uh, I think I may have discussed it before. It's it's a pretty complex uh, thing when you get it down to it, like the actual business of it. It looks easy. So you have uh, every year you'll have people come along and say, like, I can do a haunted house. I just see people lining up and handing out some money. Uh, I can do that, too. But yep. there's, a, there's a lot more involved. There's a there's sort of a science of scaring. And uh, and they generally the, the better ones will try and hit you. On various levels, they'll mm-hmm. try and so they're throwing startling sounds at you. They're they're throwing weird textures at you under underneath your feet, mm-hmm. and of course they'll try and engage your smell, your sense of smell. Yeah, so, lay, some, lay some of these on us because uh, <laughs> these are very interesting. And I haven't been to a haunted house in years. Oh yeah, yeah. well, well, we actually have a really good one uh, here in uh, the Atlanta area, the Netherworld Haunted House. Yeah, I've heard that one's good. Yeah, one of the guys who does it, this guy Billy Messina. Mm-hmm. Um, who uh, I met a time or two, like mutual friends. Uh, he actually worked uh, special effects on such films as Judge Dredd, Basket Case Two, and uh, the seminal favorite uh, uh, Frankenhooker. So, oh, yeah. Frankenhooker, that's a fine one. Yeah, but but uh, but anyway, it's a really cool haunted house, and they will hit you with these smells. Mm-hmm. So uh, I looked into this because because uh, we were like, well, maybe we can implement that here at uh, How Stuff Works. Right. So you can get a professional scent machine for about seventeen hundred dollars. Okay. You know? Sounds good so far. Yeah. There's some cheaper <laughs> options, but I figure if, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Yeah. Let's you know? do it big. And then there are just, there's just a, a plethora of different smells and smell combinations you can purchase for use in these machines. And they range from things such as like, uh, oh, there's like wedding bouquet, peaches, uh, sunshine, fruity, um, grass, ocean. And those are great. See, but none of that sounds scary. It's that's, exactly. That's, all right. That's, I guess, you know, because if you're only going to have your haunted house once a year or for one month out of the year, you might want to try and use it other times. So you can buy these other smells. Okay. But the scary smells, that's uh, that's where it gets interesting. Stuff like uh, uh, one manufacturer makes urine, sulfur, flatulence, body odor, smelly feet, bad breath. But then uh, there's another um, manufacturer who really uh, sexes up the uh, the titles. <laughs> so you get stuff like burning electrical, um, candy cane, dead rat, um Oh, oh, this is the one I really like. Prehistoric poop. Right. Um, Cause that has a, we all know what prehistoric poop smells right. like, right? Gunpowder. Nostrils. Hell. Um, swamp. Urine. Swamp urine. Not, there's not really a swamp urine one, but you could combine the two. You and could. Create your own. Like, yeah. Swamp urine and, and stinky feet prehistoric poop mildew. I, you know, you could just go nuts with it. Um, so yeah, you can find these online if you were interested enough to want to, you know, 
up the game at your own, you know, household or church operated haunted house. This sounds like a, a kind of trumped up version of like the Barbie perfume maker. Are you familiar with no. this? This is something I got in my youth and I actually really liked it. I hated Barbies and anyway, I won't go into that, but this I love because you can create all these horrible smells. And it's like a chemical lab for the Barbie. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I propose that somebody go out there and make this for for uh, or remake this as some sort of ghoulish thing for kids out there. Because I think they would love it. You <laughs> well, know? I remember there being uh, like stink toys when I was a kid. I, yeah. I don't know if they, I assume they had something like this in the U.S., but I was a, a kid at the time in um, in Canada, in Newfoundland, uh, Canada, actually. And I remember visiting some town and there being like a little, you know, junk shop there. You know, I mean, just an everything shop. Right. They had some junky toys. A in variety there. store. And I ended up uh, obtaining a, uh, a some sort of stink toy. And I think it was like some sort of little monster. And the big sell on the package was it smells like rotten eggs. And so at a certain age, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. No, I'm I'm still kind of excited about it. I mean, the ability to mix all of those is would be great fun. Right. Right. Okay. But here's the question, you know, getting to the technology of today. Would you want that smell emanating from your cell phone? Right. Yeah. This is where it really gets interesting because um, a number of these technologies we're talking about here, it basically involves the use of primary odors mm-hmm. to create other odors. Basically, this Barbie uh, kit that you're talking about. Right. Combine this with that, or maybe. You know, and they all like smell awful, by the way. Okay. Yeah. But, but, uh, but it's the idea of like using five or six, maybe even basic smells mm-hmm. out of hundreds. We're talking hundreds of, of, of primary odors in these palettes. Right. And we know just from the research we did with, on the other um, smell podcast, there's 15,000 smells that have been identified out there. Right. right. So this would be very much of a, a, a first step. Yeah. And uh, and kind of an approximate attempt to create some of these uh, smells, these odors out of primary odors. Uh, and so you would uh, you would be able to input. Uh, all right. Say it's um, the smell of fresh pumpkin pie. Yeah. So it would then input several primary odors, such as I'm, I'm guessing, like maybe if there's a pumpkin primary odor, some sort of a cinnamon primary. Is it cinnamon? It's in pumpkin pie. If I got no, it's nutmeg. Yes. Like nutmeg is a primary odor and maybe like some sort of buttery smell is a primary odor. Yeah. I don't know, but but then those those three would get implemented together into pumpkin pie. That's right. And so in Japan, there's NTT communications. Uh, so cell phone owners are able to download a fragrance playlist or files of recipes for specific smells along with visual and or audio. So we're talking about, you know, animation uh-huh. or MIDI content from iMode's mobile website. The service uses a handset's infrared port to transfer the fragrance data to a dedicated device similar to a plug-in air freshener that's loaded with a cartridge of base fragrances, what you're talking about. The device then mixes them to create the chosen smell, which it then wafts out, accompanying the audio or visual content that's played on the phone. Okay. So you can, again, you can share your your playlist with friends who also subscribe to the service. Uh, You can also use it remotely. So you can say via your, your cell phone, hey, when I get home, I want the whole house to reek of chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) <laughs> and it will do that for you. That's going to be a letdown when there are no actual chocolate chip cookies, though. I know, right? Yeah. But, but you know, hey, if you if that's the way you want to roll and, you know, you want to stink up your house with various scents, then you <laughs> can do it. Um, NTT uh, Docomo device, this is a device along with a phone, can also analyze your breath and tell, tell you how much fat you've burned off and how hungry you may be. So it goes the other way, right? And it huh. emits smells and also analyzes it. So we're outsourcing our ability to know what size snack we should have. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. there's a, a image analyzer. You can take a picture of the food you're about to eat, and it will go through the database of like foods and tell you what the approximate uh, caloric information is. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that you can have some smells through your phone, but you can also have stinky tweets. Oh, yeah, this is the Ollie by Mint Digital and Foundry. And the, the idea here is this is a, a device. Uh, you can think of it as a smell printer mm-hmm. that hooks up to your, your computer, and you would have it uh, set off to where not only would you maybe get like a little um, audio sound when you received a tweet, you would get a, a smell. Right. Like what does a tweet smell like? I don't know. Maybe a bird nest. Uh, well, it depends on who's tweeting. You can, that's right. you, you can you actually can customize it. Customize it so that, oh, uh, so let's say Rain Wilson does a tweet. Like what would Rain Wilson's tweet smell like? I don't know. I just don't know him that well. Yeah. At all. I mean, I don't know him at all. No, but he's on Twitter. <laughs> you don't know these people at all, but that's the thing. You, you, you... Because I don't know what sort of personal scent. But let's say that you're, you know, Sister or your uncle tweeted, uh-huh. you could mix some sort of aroma. And in fact, they were making fun of this on NPR's uh, game show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And they said, oh, okay, um, you know, got a Facebook message from grandma, mix Gina Tay with Virginia Slims. Oh, okay. Or uh, your college roommate's tweets could smell like Fresca and regret sex. <laughs> the smells aren't going to be that nuanced. Yeah. You know? Well, what would, uh, what would, what would our tweets smell like? What would stuff blow your mind's tweets? Like if you could um, custom, if you could enforce a smell. I don't know, like patchouli and tire treads. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's like the the last thing we would smell like. I hope. I yeah, I would hope so. I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe I would just go with pumpkin pie. I keep coming back to pumpkin pie, maybe because it's November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're anticipating there. It's all suggestion. Um. So, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about online dating and smells. This podcast is brought to you by Intel, the sponsors of Tomorrow, and the Discovery Channel. At Intel, we believe curiosity is the spark which drives innovation. Join us at curiosity.com and explore the answers to life's questions. And we're back. Let's talk about uh, some more about these uh, smellable tweets. Yeah, so the smellable tweets, again, you can customize this. You've got a little device that's going to emit the smell, right? Mm-hmm. It can be a Facebook update. It can be a tweet. It can be pretty much anything. Um, and how it works is actually this device has indexed thousands of smells based on their chemical structures and their place on the scent spectrum. Each scent is then coded and digitized into a small file, and the digital file is embedded in web content or email. A user requests or triggers the file by clicking a mouse or opening email, and then a small amount of the aroma is emitted by the device, and it stores 128 cents. So wow. again, this is pretty base when you are thinking about, you know, the 15,000 sense that are out there at least indexed and they're talking about uh, it being open source as well so that would give everyone the ability to create new annoying smells to go with it i mean just yeah the, the sky's the limit it's kind of and, and if they were able to implement a mobile version kind of going into the smell of phone mm-hmm. uh, thing i mean just think of every annoying cell phone ringtone that you've heard right not only the ones that come with the phones but the, the custom ones especially can be so horrible imagine if they smelled too yeah, I know. I know. The potential for misuse is great on this, and we'll yeah. talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about this odor matching. So, yeah, a company called BasisNote allows online daters to upload their scent profiles. And uh, this is from the biologist and BasisNote founder, August Hammerly. He says, if everything fits, you have the same interest, lots to talk about, but you can stand their smell, then a love affair doesn't stand a chance. So 
you know, it makes sense that you would also be able to check out someone's smell before you meet them. And, and it, it gives another area for people to lie uh, on on the internet. Not only can you lie about yeah, what you're what yeah. you're into uh, and what you look like, but what you smell like as well. Well, here's how you would have to lie: you'd have to have someone else take a saliva test for you, uh-huh. because this is how they they actually get the coding for this. You take the saliva test, which is then carried out some sort of test at home through a chromatographic process, and it's similar to a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And the result is this a simple digital code, which then can be entered into your online profile. And the scientific compatibility system was launched on SwissFriends.ch. It's a Swiss dating site, and at press time, it cost about $50. But... The reason why they're doing this is that evolutionary biologists says that our, our, our noses are really involved in choosing our partners. And I think you and I have talked about this before. We've heard about this at least uh, peripherally in some of our research, and we've talked about it. Uh, but this is basically saying that our nose probes whether or not the other person has similar genes to us, okay? Hmm. Because the more varied the gene pools are, the higher the chance for healthy, strong offspring. Your nose is detecting this, and this is just totally fascinating. It works like this. Um, the more major histocompatibility complex molecules you have, the better chance you have at bolstering your own immune system, since these molecules help to create a defense reaction in your body. And these are called the MHC genes. In humans, there are more than a hundred variations of each of nine of the nine most important MHC genes. And the more varied the MHC, the better the immune system of the offspring will be armed. Okay. Uh-huh. So according to Hammerly, the biologist, uh, your specific body odor is actually marked by the MHC combinations that you have and then is transmitted in your bodily fluids and transformed into your, your smell. Huh. So in theory, right, because I don't know, you know, to what extent this is really buttoned up, that you could sniff out from another person and say, you know what, you're, you're way too similar to me with your MHC content. It's not going to work for us. Huh. You know, this also brings to mind one possibility with the smell of vision. And that is in the same way that a, uh, say, a successful actor will have a body double so mm-hmm. that in, during a nude scene, it'll ensure that their body looks amazing. Okay, yeah. So w- in the future, perhaps they will also have odor doubles just to, to ensure that they also smell amazing. Yeah, but I mean, are you saying like an online dating thing? In, in an online dating sort of sense, like some of that technology and some of that data, huh. they could see like what is the optimal smell that that men want to smell uh when contemplating an attractive woman and, and vice versa, of course, for okay, so this, other members this, of, of their sexual orientations. Uh, I totally get your saying. But again, like this is this sort of feeds my fear of how we are continuing to isolate ourselves and have the virtual relationships with one another, mm-hmm. which to some extent is fine, right? This is just sort of the world we live in. But what happens when you get down to just living in front of your computer and trying to sate all five senses and then creating these dummy scents to upload. I mean, it's sort of like your v- virtual self dating another virtual person, you know, assuming uh-huh. that you don't really have a relationship face to face. Right. And so that's what I think is interesting about this technology is that, you know, obviously it can be used with video games. It can be used. The with- video games part really interests me. There's right. A, right. There's a, a co- one uh, version of this uh, that's in the works, supposedly uh, called Odorovision. And uh, it's got from a French company called Olfaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a variant on it called Smell It that's aimed at video games. And I was looking through a list of some of the proposed smells because uh, they have, you know, like a couple of dozen of them. And they include things like precious wood smell, uh, atmosphere big machines, uh, atmosphere hospitals, smell of cakes, uh, smell naked body, scent of a woman, 
um, odor fabrics, uh, things of this nature. But but it had me wondering, in both video games... <laughs> I'm just laughing about Scent of a Naked Woman. Scent of a Naked Woman. Well, you know, it, uh, I, don't, I don't know how video game programmers figured out what that smells like. Right. Oh, yeah. That, mm. uh, um, <laughs> no, no, but well, what this really uh, makes me think about is... Um, we we have we encounter violence and and sex in our films and mm-hmm. uh and especially the violence in video games but to some degree the sex or sexual sexuality and uh we end up having this sterilized version of it especially violence mm-hmm. so if we even even partaking of violence in a video game or witnessing violence in a movie if we smelled the violence if mm-hmm. we smelled blood if we smelled uh, decaying bodies. If we smelled someone dying and their, mm-hmm. their bowels loosening with death, these kinds of things. So specific and graphic. Well, it's just a reality, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 we through if we use this to make death more real when mm-hmm. it occurs in our fiction and in our in our video games, I wonder if that would be a positive thing. Because as it is, it's like when you know blood is beautiful and red and it splashes everywhere in these films and in these video games. But what if you had to actually smell it? I think it would kill the industry, really, because yeah. then because we know that emo- uh, emotion is evoked right from smells yeah. and empathy. I mean, all of these sort of things would be engaged. And one of the reasons why we like video games so much, uh, or even movies, is because we can remove ourselves, we can distance ourselves, and we can watch the, the action unfold. Without yeah. any sort of horrible results. Well, right? I mean, it's like zombie movies. Who would watch a zombie movie if you had to smell the reek of of rotting corpses whenever the zombie showed up? I mean, I try it once. Yeah, once. Yeah. Well, it would definitely make it more horrific. It would be like the the stink odors that they're shooting at you in the the horror movies, right? And for that matter, um, when it comes to things like like pornography, if people had to, if people watching pornography had to smell the smells of of what's going on, would they be that into it? I don't know. Well, I mean, especially if this uh, biologist is correct in terms of a scent pri- profile for each person, mm-hmm. um, you know, would you be would someone's scent during sex sort of turn one person off or another? Yeah. Of course, I think the that what he's talking about in evolution, uh, or within within the context of evolution, is really. Uh, it's pretty simplistic, right? Because there's so many more things that are going on. And maybe this is why, you know, Match.com isn't using this technology right now because not necessarily everybody is looking for a lifelong partner, right? Right. When they're using this. And, you know, it also, we don't really know the results of this born out at large. Right. Um, but I was thinking about this, particularly with the video games too, that the smell of fear. And this is something we talked about with Cicel Tolas, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, that the wall that she created with these nine different scents of men's fears. You know, if you are piping that in with video game, I mean, that's that would be sort of horrific to to smell someone else's fear, right? Yeah, because like you're not going to reject that. It's just something that you smell. Yeah, if you're like you're in a multiplayer setting and you're smelling the fear of your fellow players or your opponents, yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. Especially with something like Bomberman, which is so cartoony. But then if you were smelling fear during Bomberman, that would be kind of crazy. Here's my greatest fear, though. Okay, is that it's going to be used by marketers like to the point where it's just you know ad infinitum where like. You know, you've got a pop-up screen of Coca-Cola coming on and you can smell Coca-Cola or something else or baked goods, which could get really annoying, even if those are things that you like. Yeah. You know, if you just happen to be like surfing and you're like, oh, that, that smell again. Yeah. Or or scent hacking. Like what if we yeah. reach a point where the How Stuff Works homepage smells like mint? Because I don't know. It seems like it would smell that like a mint. seems delightful. Yeah. yeah. But then some hackers come along and they make it smell like. Um, Patchouli and tire treads. Exactly. Exactly. That would be that would be kind of horrific, and that would be the kind of abuse you can expect. 
That, my friend, <laughs> are the that that's that's the future of smell right there. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if I can come back to the whole digital world, like the other side of this too is that so much is we live more and more of our lives digitally, and mm-hmm. and, and we're we're taking it things in uh, through through the internet and through games and through movies. Uh, we're get, like I say, we're getting that sterile version of it all. We're we're getting a version of it where well, an entire uh, one of our primary senses is cut off. Like then, what happens when we actually engage in uh, in in basically any activity in life, and we, we're suddenly hit with the with the olfactory dimension of that experience as well? Like what? What does that do to us? You know, I don't know. It's interesting because there is this idea about the synthetic version versus the true version. Mm-hmm. And then again, it, the uh, repository of all of our experiences, our memories being evoked again, our emotions by smells. Mm-hmm. So if you're manipulating them on a certain level that, you know, this, this, this virtual level and you're isolated. Yeah. What does that do to you? Hmm. You specifically? Oh, to me specifically. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll find out. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting future, I think, because I, it seems like they'll probably not implement all of these things to the degree to which we're talking about, because it's kind of like the smell vision factor. It's like it reaches the point, yes, we can make movies smell, but to what point is there actually an economic payoff? Yeah, yeah. There's some fails there for sure. But, um, we already know. I mean, we've talked about this before that in, that retailers use this, um, quite a bit. You mm-hmm. go into the gap or any other, major retailer and most likely there's a very specific scent that has been made for them to help you feel great about your purchase right to whatever extent it can be it can be implemented and used to make money it will be used we can be sure of that your computer is going to smell in the future that's what we're saying yeah no way around it no way around it and it won't just smell like all the snack mix that you've dropped into which is not an unpleasant odor. I'm, no, uh, no. There we go. The future of smell, the future of stink. Um, we have a few quick uh, listener mails that I'd like to read. Um, and we're going to dip in here and grab one. Okay, here's one from Timothy. Dear STBYM crew, uh, which is us, I've always thought of zombies as an expression of the other, as in the unthinking masses, sheepish crowds of people, uh, etc. I believe this is why zombies are so fond of urban settings, like the shopping mall or the state bar, where crowds are so common. I also agree with the assessment that modern zombies have a parallel with modern work, um, which often uh, consists of repetition requiring very little in the way of complex problem solving. In this way, they represent our horror of the mainstream drudgery of simple repetitive work and the absorption of our individually into the sheepish consumer culture. Uh, zombie hunting, therefore, is a radical expression of individuality. Uh, how ironic, then, that zombies are such a wildly popular trend. Thanks for all, thanks for all the great cast, Tim. And, of course, he was talking, responding to our episode about apocalypse mm-hmm. and our attraction to apocalypse, and specifically uh, our love affair with zombie apocalypse. That's right. What that means. So uh, some, some interesting thoughts there from uh, Tim. We heard from listener Lindsay on Facebook, and she says, you guys are rad, exclamation point, uh, which is good. Uh, I just listened to the Martyr podcast. It made me think of a few people I know who don't use any meds while getting their teeth worked on because they are in recovery from addiction. Their goal is sobriety, but it made me wonder about a connection with the history of self-abuse equals higher pain threshold uh, piece of your podcast, since addiction could uh, could definitely be considered self-abuse. Anyway, keep up the great work. And that's uh, Mm. that's interesting because I hadn't really thought as much about that dimension of it when we were talking about um, individuals who say... Um, you know, going to the dental office and, and don't want uh, drugs used on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there would be some individuals who would be opposed to it because they have a history with substance abuse. Likewise, you also have people who are straight edge, right? Who, right. who re- refuse to take alcohol or drugs. And then how does that impact? 
their choices in their, their would would they care. experience more pain? Is the question because if you have well, I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But if you've got the dopamine receptors and if mm-hmm. you abuse them and they've you've you know released a lot of dopamine as a result, yeah, might your body be sort of trained to be able to do that? At, I don't know. It's These are things to think about. And if anybody out there is straight edge, I'd be interested to to hear what. Uh, what your relationship with pain is? Yeah, just don't feel like you need to drop like you know a, a saw on your foot or anything. Yeah, don't no. don't don't test your or a, your a lead weight. Though. Let's say that <laughs> the saw on the foot is just a little bit too graphic. All right. Well, hey, if you want to share anything with us, um, specifically if you want to share anything about smells and the future of smells, uh, you can find us on our Facebook and on our Twitter. We're blow the mind on both of those, and sadly, we we don't have the, the custom smell implemented just yet. Unless you're listening to this podcast at some distant point in the future, and then perhaps yes. Yeah, yeah. If that's the case, then you can email us your scent profile at blowthemindathowstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join Works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. 